This is the Sales Gravy Podcast. Hi, I'm Jeb Blunt, best-selling author of Fanatical Prospecting Objections, Sales EQ, and Inked, and I'm here to help you open more doors, close bigger deals, and rock your commission check. Welcome back to another episode of the Sales Gravy Podcast. This is Jeb Blunt from Milan, Italy, where I just had a chance to see the great Colleen Stanley on stage dropping some wisdom around emotional intelligence. And Colleen, one of the things that I thought was fascinating about your uh, your keynote was when you talked about reality testing. So we're moving into a time of crisis, volatility, the markets are changing. We're in Europe where, and here, here they're really feeling recession a lot more than back in the States. And and I want to talk a little bit about why reality testing is going to be so important for sales professionals as you move into your larger deals during a time of crisis when buyers feel more fear, where there is more angst, and there are more reasons to put off purchasing anything rather than taking a chance or taking a risk. Let's talk a little bit about that. That sounds good. So reality testing, maybe let's put a framework around it. In the EQ world, it's been described as that ability to see things as they are rather than what you'd like them to be. So as you know, with the amount of work you do on prospecting, one of the areas in the tough times is you cannot waste time with opportunities that can't or won't buy. And so reality testing is getting very clear on who is my ideal client profile. And that can change sometimes in recession. It's getting very clear on the companies that are still willing and able to invest. Because there are companies that even if they're not making maybe the sales that they did um, two years ago, they will still invest dollars. So the reality is getting very clear and not, uh, I guess, giving into the wonderful EQ skill of optimism. Oh, I think this deal will come through. Oh, I think there's an exception there. So that would be an example. Perfect. And and folks, if you hear some noise behind me, we're on an iPhone in a restaurant because we're in Italy and we're not in a studio. So there's going to be a little bit of noise here, but I thought you'd like to hear this. So what you're saying is that for a sales professional, the greatest waste of time is spending it with the wrong prospect or the wrong customer. And so you're beginning with your ideal qualified prospect. What does that look like? Making sure you can define that. One of the exercises that you had us do that I thought was just fascinating and I, I added to it as we went through is you said to write down the customer that you like the most to work with. So who's who's the customer that you enjoy working with? And, and for me, this is what I would call a fit test. So a fit qualifier. That's a great way to say it. So, for example, I wrote down easy to work with. So I, I like easy to work with high profit. So in a in a normal world, we want to look at our ideal qualified prospects and say, where do they fit? Are they, like, for example, I'm a training company, so I wrote down, they show up on time. They want to learn. You said, I want to work with focused teams. So I don't want to work with people who are distracted. I like people who integrate me into their company and treat me uh, like I'm part of their family. I want to work with those companies that in- integrate us. That's, that's an important piece, but there's also going to be the financial side. So you also said that they have to be some a company that um, that ha- wants to solve a problem and they're committed to a problem. And by the way, you said it's a problem that you can solve. Yes. So those are, I mean, those are all important part parts. So one is a fit. Is this somebody I want to work with? The other is, 
are they committed to solving the problem? And committed means they got the money to solve the problem, they got the budget to solve the problem, they have the will to solve the problem, and even if that means kicking out someone they're already doing business with in order to solve the problem. Uh, talk to me a little bit about how you suss those things out, because that, that, that's sort of a moving target to really understand, are they a fit for me, and are they committed to solving the problem? What are some ways that salespeople can do that, or some questions that you can ask to uncover reality uh, and, 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 and maybe avoid being blinded by your own confirmation bias? So a really simple question you can ask at the right area of the sales process is, you know, a commitment question. Uh, say, hey, Jeb, we've had a good conversation today. However, you know, decision makers like you, you've got lots of initiatives going on. So this particular one we talked about today, where is it on the old scale of one to ten? One being low, ten being high. And remember, when you use that cliche, you need to let them know you're using a cliche. Otherwise, you sound disingenuous. Now, here's what will happen. You will sometimes hear a five. Well, then salespeople typically start trying to overcome the objection, trying to get them to a ten. You must stop and say, Jeb, sounds like this might be falling into the nice-to-have bucket versus the need-to-have. And at that point, what you are doing is I am forcing you, the prospect, to convince me to stay in this sales cycle. Convince me the problem's big enough to solve. So it could be a question that simple. So basically, this is what you were talking about when you were talking about the changing the roles. So you're putting the, the sales hat on your prospect and asking them to, to sell you on why they're willing to commit to solving the problem. And this is, by the way, super important because your company is going to have limited resources in a crisis as well. So when there's a recession, your organization, especially with big deals, they're going to want to commit the resources and the staff only to the deals that are winnable. So you got to get customers to say, I'm willing to step into this uh, this deal with you because of these things. Now, one of the things that I, I find is sometimes people won't always tell you the truth. Like they'll, they're telling you they're committed. And if you're really good at body language and you're really perceptive, you can, you can see that maybe you know, on the face of it, they're not, they're not prepared. One of the strategies that I use is engagement testing. So are they willing to match my effort? So I ask them to do things and I watch what they do. So rather than just look at their words and look at their body language, I want to look at their actions too. How, how would you in, it, 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 maybe integrate that into a strategy for reality testing in your world? Both of the questions being empathetic, looking at the person, turning on your intention and your your perception of their emotions, emotional intelligence, and like actually looking at what they do. Well, I love what you framed up there, and I think you said engagement testing. Mm -hmm. So it could be um, as simple as maybe you get done with the first discovery call, but this is an enterprise sale. They're selling steps and stages, and you assign them action steps, and you see how well they follow up in the action steps. The other thing I've seen, particularly in tech companies, is that they can turn into demo jockeys, right? Yep. So people are really committed. You may have to set the expectation, mm -hmm. I will show you the demo and if you like the demo then we have an agreement that we have another demo with the decision makers i mean it could be action steps like that because you know people that are really committed they show up to meetings yes. they bring their decision makers and so I, I love the engagement test so i think you can come up with certain actions and if they do it they're engaged and if they don't apply reality testing 
they're not engaged. Um, end of story. They're not that into you. I love that. That's, I say that all the time. Man, they're telling you that they're not that into you. And if they're saying that, get out. <laughs> so, like, for example, the demos, one of the strategies that I use with some of my software companies with demos, especially when, when you're talking about higher dollar software integrations, is you get an agreement for the demo, then they have to agree to get trained to use the software before the demo, and then they have to agree to a meeting a week into the demo to talk about their use case, and then they have to agree to another another meeting a week, into, a week after the demo to, to discuss where they want to go from there, and then three weeks later, they have to agree to a thumbs-up, thumbs-down meeting. In other words, we're going to make a decision right here and now whether we're going to move forward or whether we're going to stop, and they have to agree to those meetings, and, and if they're not willing to agree to those meetings in advance or they don't show up to those meetings, you've got a clear understanding that they're not committed to change. They just want to see your stuff or they like you and they don't want to let you down. Sometimes they're into you, but they don't have the money to buy from you. Right. Exactly. So, um, so I, I think all of those things are super important. Uh, now, as as you're going through the process of, of reality testing, and when I said, co- co- you know, your, your um, what, what did I say earlier? <laughs> the uh, what, Confirmation bias. I don't You've got to drink that espresso. So when I said confirmation bias, salespeople have a tendency to tell themselves stories about what the what the deal is going to be, and they tell their sales managers too. Oh yeah, this is going to hit before forecast. Um, part of the reality testing is you. Part of it's with them. So let's talk about those two different things. So one is, what are some strategies you can use to uncloud your view of of the deal? Um, and then you talked about the elephant in the room, putting it on the table. What are some strategies that you can use to uncloud your your customer's confirmation bias? So first one, I'd say a tool that, you know, we encourage, and I'm sure you encourage your clients, is the checklist. And what a checklist does, it... It makes you look at evidence. I actually asked this question. I got an answer because, you know, you've interviewed a lot of people with the company you've grown and you've done an interview question. And I don't know if you've had this happen, Jeb, but you asked the question, but you didn't get the answer to the question. Have you ever? Yeah. So it's the same thing when you're interviewing clients. So if you have a checklist, did I ask the question? Did I get an answer? Should I have asked two more questions? So checklists take away the Dune and Kruger effect, which is we think we do better than we do. Well, it's interesting that you said about the interview because sometimes when you're doing podcast interviews, especially I'm doing an author, I'll ask them a question about their book and they don't know the answer to the question and I feel bad for them so I give them the answer and I do it like I do it with a leading question or a double dip question where I'll, I'll throw them the answer and then, they, and then they'll know what to say and I suppose that sometimes when we have this, really we have this need to get this customer into our, our prospect into our pipeline that we'll do the same thing. We ask them a question and you can tell they don't have the answer to the question and it's that's a bad sign but then you tell them what to tell you yes and then they go along to get along yeah. too yeah instead of uh, you know asking what I call a fork in the road question and it could be hey tell me what your experience has been with XYZ mm-hmm. working for you not working for you you give them an out um, and so what I find is we don't want to give that prospect mm-hmm. an out we get very attached to the outcome so I'm really going to ask questions that lead me to the outcome I want which generally leads to a practice proposal. 
so we talked about how to um, how to how to sort of uncover the, the the way that the prospect is dealing with you and making sure that you've got reality on the table. Let's go back to the rep confirmation bias. We lie to ourselves. We tell ourselves something's not here. We want it to. We want it to be. We want this deal to be so good, and we want to, we want to put it in our in our pipeline so badly that we ignore every sign, the neon sign that says they're never going to buy from you. What what can we do emotionally to help ourselves step out of that state? Well, I would say emotionally, what you have to do is examine why you are so attached to the outcome. And this is what you and I both talk about, you in particular in the presentation you did. You are getting very attached because you do not have enough in your pipeline. And so it's just like when you're dating, okay? And when you're dating, if you don't have a lot of in people in your pipeline, you start rationalizing. Well, he's kind of a nice guy. His family wasn't that strange. Um, his manners, well, I'm sure I could improve his manners. You start rationalizing because you're desperate. If you have a full dating pipeline, believe me, you qualify and disqualify right. quickly. So, so I think that helps with the emotion of not feeling desperate. Perfect. So, so this, this brings me to the, the end of your presentation. You talked about detaching from the outcome. So that's an emotional thing of detachment, right? I'm letting go. And and you said a full pipeline means freedom. Like mm -hmm. if, if you have a full pipeline, it gives you freedom. And what you were saying is if you have a full pipeline, it gives you the freedom to not have to sell. I don't have to push. I don't have to try to fit a square peg into a round hole. I don't have to settle for something that's okay when I could go find my dream account at, and, and find a, a prospect that fits me, that's focused, that wants to spend time, that values what I do because I have choices, I have options. So essentially the pipe is life. The pipe is everything. And especially in, uh, in a crisis, we have to get good at paying attention, being intentional, asking questions, reality testing every single deal, making sure that we're going where the money is and follow Willie Sutton, Sutton's Law. You'll find it in my brand new book, Selling in a Crisis. Go see Sutton's Law. But making sure that you have a full pipe because a full pipe, as you said, sets you free. It sets you free to ask the difficult question. It sets you free to kind of test the prospect's commitment. It sets you free on, you know, asking them seriously, how, how serious are I mean, it, it can actually be, I don't think I'm hearing enough reason for you to switch. What am I missing? You will not ask that question if you need the deal. You will ask that question if you've got a full pipeline because here's what happens. When you have a full pipeline, you don't want to take on any accounts unless they're going to go to fruition. I don't know about you, but I don't like writing proposals. No, I do because yeah. they result in money. I don't like writing practice proposals. So yes. I'm always looking for evidence, commitment. Is there truly pain here? Can I solve it? And so... Because the me greatest waste of your time as a sales professional is spending it on the wrong process. All right, let's talk about books. So Colleen Stanley, tell them what book they should read. Your book. Well, thank you. Uh, I uh, authored two. I'm not quite up to the 15 you've got. <laughs> right. uh, the first one was Emotional Intelligence for Sales Success, and the second one was Emotional Intelligence for Sales Leadership, and that was really authored for 
sales leaders. Excellent. So you want to learn more about how to leverage emotional intelligence and meta skill in modern sales. If you don't have emotional intelligence, you're not going to succeed. Go check out Colleen's books. And how, do, how can people find you on uh, the you internet? You can go to the website, salesleadershipdevelopment.com. Perfect. And, and on LinkedIn. We posted on some LinkedIn. Cool yes, you were nice enough to post uh, pictures. Awesome. And I've got a brand new book out called Selling in a Crisis. It is the number one best-selling audiobook in sales. At one point last week, it cracked the top 100 in all audiobooks. You can also get it in hardcover. Hurry, because I just found out that they're out of books. So there's a handful left at Amazon. Go grab them. Selling in a Crisis. And we'll see you next time on the Sales Gravy Podcast.